Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, Episode 94, My Two Dads. We've got three segments for you this week. First up is a discussion on Pikmin 3 between Patrick and Dan. Then Alex and Dave break down the new Super Mario Brothers series. And finally, Neil, Andy, and Scott talk about gaming with kids. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another segment of Connectivity. Um, with me today, I have Don, who has Hello. been playing a lot of Pikmin 3. Who are um, you actually? Your... <laughs> what was or, that? Who are you actually? You're not introducing yourself first. Oh, I was going to say, I am your host, Patrick Barnett, for this segment. I've kind of been on a mini hiatus from the show recently. I feel like I haven't done an episode since uh, when we had the uh, Connect. E3 reactions back back in June, so it's glad to be back and talking about video games for a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. So, Don, uh, Pikmin 3, let's just, uh, I guess, start with your overall thoughts on the game, delve into it wherever you want to, just give me a, tell me about it. Um, so, Pikmin 3, it's the long-awaited sequel to like the previous two Pikmin games on GameCube, and which also have been re-released on Wii. Yeah. How long um, has it been since Pikmin 2? Is It's like eight or nine years now, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's almost ten years now. Wow, yeah. Which is which is kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, when you think about it, if you think of any other Nintendo franchise, that how how many franchises have waited that long in between entries in the series? I can still name a couple, but that's beyond oh, the point. You, you can name some <laughs> yeah. that are dead at this point, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, okay. What yeah. Ones that are still continuing, it, it's very rare for them to come back after ten years. True. So Pikmin 3, um, we learn about, like, what is it, like, 2008, 2009 from Miyamoto, who just talked about it casually and said, yeah, we're working on that for Wii. And uh, we were like, okay, so you didn't talk about it during your E3 presentation, but you're saying it during this roundtable thing. Totally all right, I guess. Uh, and, And it took us a while to actually learn anything about the game. And then we heard in 2011, it was moved to Wii U. In 2012, it opened the presentation with it. Mm-hmm. Um, which was for the rest a bit lackluster, but that's beyond the point. <laughs> um, but now we are here in 2014, after delay, after delay, after delay, and it's finally here. I, when I started downloading the game, I couldn't actually believe that I was downloading Pikmin 3. I was like, is this actually happening? I was like, oh god, it yeah, is actually. Yeah. You had this feeling that they were going to trick you, and halfway through the download, they just pull it right off your system. Nope, nope, you got to wait another six months. Yeah. <laughs> Something wouldn't, like that. Wouldn't, put, wouldn't push it past them. They could definitely pull that off after so many delays. But yeah, so uh, the game is about uh, three explorers. Uh, Brittany, Charlie, and Elf. In, in the Japanese version, it's called Elf, I believe. Or no, it's the European version. Elf. I can't remember. One of the two. I, I just call him Elf here right now. Um, those... Three explorers come from a planet called Kopai. Um, Kopai is on the brink of ex- of extinction because they have lost pretty much all of their food supplies. So, like like travelers of their nation, like went across the across the galaxy and tried to find like like these foods. And in the end of their travel, they ended up on the Pikmin planet and they ended up crashing. And all of the three captains 
landed on different places from one another. Mm-hmm. So how the game starts is you get like a quick introduction with uh, Charlie in the beginning, and then after that, Elf. Uh, Charlie is is getting like interrupted by monsters. So at the beginning, you're not very sure what is going on with him, but you continue your quest with Elf, and then find uh, Brittany like the day after. Um. So the day, the the normal like Pikmin mechanics still still are there, so you have to manage management like this group of 100 Pikmin with all these various abilities and uh, make your way across puzzles, fight bosses, and um, in this game, of course, collect the fruits. The the uh, fruit represents the food that they're bringing back to yeah. the uh, because they're planet. Because they're making juice of it, and in the juice is contains seeds, which they will use to, like, rehabit the planet with food supply. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I read online somewhere. I, I, I haven't been in the, the know-how about Pikmin 3 recently. Um, to keep yourself alive on the planet, to keep playing, do you need to collect so much fruit per day so you have enough juice? You, you, need, that... you need to have, like, one container of fruit juice to keep yourself in the game. Okay. Um, do you know what happens if you don't have that? Does it just kind of game over and take you back to your last save? Um, I don't know about that specific instance because I was pretty good with like uh, managing that stuff. Okay. Um, but if you feel like you screwed up a specific day, mm-hmm. you could go back in time and like restart it from that day. Okay. Like if, if you feel like there's a point where things went completely off the hook, um, you could like reboot it from that day and create a new wave of days after that so the game the game feels a bit in between like pikmin 1 and 2 um pikmin, it has more the lenience of pikmin 2 um in the fact that in pikmin 1 you had like a restricted number of days you yeah. don't exactly have that in pikmin 3 but uh, you still have to accomplish those specific goals like collecting that fruit and that's very pikmin 1ish yeah, I, I guess um, there's kind of a restriction now. Yeah. Like, like, it's not as heavy of a restriction where I think it was 30 days in Pikmin 1. Yeah. Whereas now it's just, you have to do this. Whereas Pikmin 2, I remember I, I just spent countless days. I would just run around the different areas and uh, collect the little berries to create the potions. Mm-hmm. I would just do that for two or three days straight. Um, it, it, but I guess you can't do res- that in Pikmin The only res- real restriction is collecting those juices because for the rest, it's... It's pretty much a straight, straightforward like day and night cycle. So okay. you over in day you collect those and explore those various areas, and night um, you go back to the ship and uh, call it a day. Okay. So it still has um, the same like same structure. So it's very easy to play like one day in like fifteen minutes and then go back for it another time. Um, I'm I'm curious. I haven't seen this mentioned anywhere. Are the caves back? I know there were caves in Pikmin 2 where you kind of ventured underground and there were kind of dungeons per se. Um, Are they back in Pikmin 3 or no? There's more a lenience towards like open areas. Okay. So there's a lot of uh, the above ground puzzles more so. Yeah. But are are there underground areas at all? Um... I don't know if I should spoil too much. That's the okay. problem because okay. I, I would go maybe a bit too far ahead of myself. Um, maybe, maybe we don't want to. But but, get it, into but that it, it, it's it's 
there are more like upper ground areas. There is a bigger focus towards that. Okay. Definitely. Um, in Pikmin 2, there were only four above ground areas. Are there more in this one? Or if there are the same number, are they vaster and much greater areas? It's... it's it, the, the focus is again on like these bigger areas because okay. the, the areas in Pikmin 1 and 2 were pretty compact. Uh, but you were spending like various days in one specific area and creating new paths as you go along. Mm-hmm. Because um, in the beginning, you will see like these electric fences, and of course, you can only go past them if you have Pikmin. But in the beginning, you are not able to do anything with them in particular. Yeah. So in the first day, you're. you're pretty much only going to use like the red pigment and then like a little later on like the rock pigment yeah because they they those two pretty much come quickly after one another okay and and the rock pigment i find actually they are actually really neat like new source because they can break this break this special like crystal blocks which uh give you like the items you need or like this little little piece of progression that you are searching for in, in the adventure. So if you had to vote Rock Pikmin or Flying Pikmin as your new favorite type, you'd go Rock. Yeah, I go Rock. Okay. Um, and they are very handy against the first boss, which we of course saw at E3 2012. That that okay. bo- that boss is actually the first boss in the game. Oh, that's cool. So he was a fun boss. Yeah. So actually, you have seen from what was shown on the show floor they actually didn't spoil too much um it's both of these things are very early in the game they've showed in the in the three years so that was actually pretty neat to see um okay. and, and and that first boss again like you said is actually really cool where you have to like break its armor with the rock pigment and then for the rock pigment on the revealed mm-hmm. parts and then take them out as quickly as possibly can i found yeah. it actually going back to that one that one is actually kind of tricky because um Oh, I, I know I had trouble with it at E3 2012 yeah. when I played it because I didn't realize the rock Pikmin couldn't grab onto his skin. So after I broke the shell off of him, I, I just kept hurling the black Pikmin at him, the and, rock Pikmin. And, and he's, and he's kind of brutal when he opens his uh, jaw and oh. tries to swallow up those Pikmin yeah. right in front of your eyes. He can just eyes. charge right across the stage and just yeah, he, he, growl he, them all up and eat them. He's a tough badass. <laughs> Are, are the rest of the bosses in the game now? Don't spoil too much, I'd say, but are are they typically well made and fun bosses to play? They are really fun bosses. That's um, great. I mean, again, there is, there. It feels like like the 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 bigger evolution towards like the next Pikmin entry, and it is the next Pikmin entry. So they have evolved it well, <laughs> in my opinion. That's good. Um, like the only two things that I would say are kind of against it is that. Of course, it was originally a Wii game, and it went over to Wii U. Um, I didn't find, like, the the environments are pretty okay, like what they had on offer, but some of the ground textures were not completely fine. Like, some of them were a bit dodgy. They weren't not insanely bad, but they were not insanely beautiful to look at either. Hmm. Um, another thing is, of course, that you still have to kind of, like rely on the pigment too much who are a bit slow and not always listen to you correctly in the right fashion. Hmm. Um, but that has always been a sa- staple of the pigment series, but for me it's still a minus point nonetheless because I so, like so, to have full control about my stuff. So they're still getting caught behind walls and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, they do. 
they don't get they're uh, not smart enough to walk right around the edge. <laughs> not exactly, no. That's um one thing, I, I guess yeah. oh, I'd keep going if you were going to talk about this. I was going to change the subject. but no, you, go you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to ask, um, in E3 2012, we, there was that boss demo, but then the, they also had, uh, I guess what they showed there was uh, what became the mission mode yeah. in Pikmin 3. I was going to ask how that plays and what do you like about that? So the mission mode... Um, so there's one particular one where you have to like just slam enemies and like collect them as much as possible. Another is mm-hmm. just one collecting fruit and collecting enemies for coins. Uh, both of those are, are pretty interesting. I mean, both of them are just five miss- missions each. Okay. Um, but I found myself like instantly going back to them because you have various medals to collect, and there of course are the online leaderboards for both of those things. Um, so I how find, are you? How are you ranking right now? You you at the top? <laughs> in mission one of collector fruit, that's the the coins mode. I am pretty high with the first mission. I, th- I think I'm at the top. Um, but it, it's it's certainly addictive. I mean, there are just like five of them, and you can also play them co-op with a friend if you want to. Okay. So um, like Pikmin two, if you remember the challenge mode in that, that was co-op as well. Yeah, but I, I find this one. I found the challenge mode in Pikmin 3 I found found to have more freedom than Pikmin 2. Like, you have more to explore or there's more things to do simultaneously mm-hmm. because that is a big focus in Pikmin 3 where you have these various captains who do, like, all this, stu- all this different stuff at the same time. So you can, like, p- uh, position, like, a captain where the fruit is collected or where you collect the pellets for the new Pikmin to pop up. And he can just continue to pull them out of the ground and then bring all of those Pikmin with him for the next mission. Mm-hmm. To, while the other player could like command the Pikmin to build a bridge or break up a part of the environment to continue onward. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of the one of the reasons I love Pikmin 3, all the micromanagement. And just there's yeah, so the many mi- different ways. The micromanagement can... in Pikmin 3 is way higher than the last two, in my opinion. Well, you're up to three captains, so there's so much more you can do, I guess. Yeah. Well, even um, even at the beginning, because very early on, you, you got already two. It, they introduced to you it very naturally, and and it, the way up to that specific boss um, actually requires you to want want to uh, build a bridge, and you have to like throw the, the rock and wet pigmen, including a captain, all over this other part of the island to continue onward to the boss. So. It, it becomes pretty apparent early on that you have to like work together to get all of your stuff done within a day because the the time restriction is still a bit taxing because again with the with that boss I had some troubles and I actually found myself that I had too too little to too less time to actually make it back to the onion and get those pigment collected so I had to come back the next day and collect all of the stuff okay. uh because the the boss is a pretty tough guy. So the bosses are time restricted then as well. No, the boss is not exactly time restricted, but they still want to get on the same clock as the rest of the day. All right, well that makes sense then that they would just keep it all on the same clock. Um, unlike Pikmin two, the bosses I believe, if I remember correctly, because they were all underground, the underground kind of had its own non-existent clock, mm-hmm. so there was no restriction on how long you were in a fight. I remember, I think 
in Pikmin 2, I, if I remember right, there was uh, one of the bosses that kind of rolled around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in one sweep, it, it took out almost all of my Pikmin, and I was down to like five or six. But I just I, I persevered, and I eventually took down the boss many minutes later. But I, with my little fleet of five Pikmin, I would Aww. just slowly knock him down. That's that's brutal, though. That's insanely brutal. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that's kind of why I love Pikmin, though. Sometimes where it it can be so easy at sometimes, and then just so crushing when it just because like, um, that... just for the sake of the review, I I played that boss various times to see if I would do it better, and and at the first time, I was losing Pikmin right, left, and center. But at the second and third time, I can get kind of skilled at the movement of the boss, mm-hmm. so. I managed to maneuver myself around it and throw the rock pigment as many as I possibly could at the head. So that when he would actually grab the pigment, I could throw the red pigment on top of his head. And with enough damage depleted from his health, he would he would be stunned and he wouldn't eat the pigment at all. Hmm, that's good. So I, I like that they add that much uh, kind of different stuff. Yeah. Um, so I want to mention, like, an important part that we haven't touched on yet are, of course, the controls. Okay, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so I would actually recommend playing the game if you have the right controller, of course, with a Wii Remote Plus. Okay. Um, do you know if Wii Remote Plus is required or just Wii Remote? It's it's not required at all. Um, okay. I tried all three ways, so you can no, oh, four ways even. So you can play it with the Wii Remote Plus. You can mm-hmm. play it with the regular Wii Remote. You can play it with the Wii U Gamepad or with the Wii U Pro Controller. Okay. Um, with the Gamepad, did they? I don't know if you recall back at E3 2012, there was the uh, the control method where it was all gyro based. Hmm. The uh, do you, do you know if did that make it into the final game or not? I, I I've not seen such an option. Okay. Um, I, I figured they took it out because it was after day one of E3 that year. Um, it was on the show floor and you could play it that way. But when we came back on the second day and we asked, we wanted to try that method. They said, no, you're not allowed to. They they had uh, pulled it really quick because it did not work very well. And I they see. probably heard, they heard that feedback and they only wanted people using the uh, Wii Remote. I, I, I actually, actually never tried it. So there you go. Um so with the Remote Plus, um, even if you're not in the range of like the sensor bar, you can reach far and collect the pigment that way, and that's insanely helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like from a distance and see like the onion there, and then you see the pigment who just collected fruit. You can just point at them and then uh, bring them back to your squad, which is insanely useful, like for this micromanagement stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of it is of course the Remote, which doesn't allow you and is actually bound and restricted to the, like the environment of the Wii remote. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's I mean it's it's not very helpful. I think it's my one of my least favorite options. I think it's actually really recommended that you play it with a remote plus. Uh, most people at this point have at least a remote plus. Yeah. Um, but but for because the people, that's the standard Wii remote people, at this point. Yeah, but for the people who don't, it, it's pretty important to know. Uh, uh, but even for the people that don't, they could just play with the the gamepad or the pro controller at this point. As yeah, well. but here's the thing with the Wii U gamepad and the pro controller. I like it, uh, but again, you are restricted 
in in some fashions, and you mm-hmm. are you have complete leeway with, of course, the with the remote plus, um, with the um, with the Wii U gamepad and pro controllers. It feels a bit like the GameCube one, where you could control freely the camera with the right stick, mm-hmm. uh, but you can't like move and collect Pikmin at the same time. Yeah, because um, yeah, because you have to stand still for you to move like the Pikmin cursor and collect them all around you, um, which is a bit tricky. I mean, I, I can see that some people can find it very easy for them because they're so used to the GameCube controls. I that's was what com- I was going to say. Yeah. I never played any of the uh, new Control Plus Pikmin games. I, I am, I'm so... completely the opposite of the side of the spectrum where you once you go back with the remote plus, you don't go back. Hmm. Uh, because, I mean, I mean, some people could definitely do it and I can see how they could handle it that well. But for me personally, though, I'm more of the of the of the guide way that the game is intended to play with the remote plus mm-hmm. because of the leeway. I mean, the camera is not; it's still like you still press the 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 Z button to like center the camera back around you on the nunchuck. Yeah. Uh, but like having free control over where the Pikmin are and bringing them back to your to your squad really helps you to progress the day just slightly better forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can like blame people for using the the control scheme they want, but it's just how I feel like it plays the it plays the game better. Okay. Um, one last topic that I definitely wanted to talk about was the uh, competitive multiplayer mode. Did you get a chance to try this out yet? Oh, the bingo battle! Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. I I was very interested in that. Um, me and my brother we used to play the Pikmin two challenge mode. Um, if you remember that one, it was kind of like an underground map and you would just collect marbles. Yes. Um, and what we would do, we would just, we would never actually collect the marbles when we played that mode. We would just end up playing for two, three hours, just building up our Pikmin army to a hundred each. And then we would just wage all out war on each other and just watch the Pikmin fight. Cause it was just so enjoyable to see that. Um, that, that, that thing is still in there that, that Pikmin can still attack one another. That's great yeah. because I really think that's an interesting mechanic that you and, don't and see it can in the rest also, of the game. Can I also attack the captains of the opposite squad? So there you mm-hmm. go. Um, which so, you have to break so how do you from. like the bingo mode? Is the it bingo, fun? Yeah, the bingo mode is insanely huge because it has like almost 20 stages. So you progress through them by just finishing one, the next one, and then the next one. So you have all these 20 stages to go for which... In theory, is already pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes it cool, though, is that um, so you have this bingo map at the side of it, and there are various items like fruits and enemies on them. Mm-hmm. By collecting them or destroying and collecting them uh, and bringing them back to your specific onion, um, you will fill up a space on the bingo map, and your goal is like to have a line of four. Of course, mm-hmm. the other player will try to totally screw you over by collecting that specific item or fruit. Or they could fight you while you're carrying it back to your onion. They could just grab it real quick, I guess. Yeah, they could. Right? Yeah. See, that that's what I love about that type of uh, battle where you have to um, manage all your Pikmin. Now, now in that mode, do you get more than one captain or is it only one captain? Uh, you, could, you have the option to have like two on two. Okay. Uh, but of course, there's still the regular one versus one mode available. Mm-hmm. 
Because yeah. I think with two versus two captains, it would be even more interesting mm-hmm. because you could leave one captain with, say, Pikmin that are carrying an item back mm-hmm. and go make a strategic move somewhere else. But if you get attacked on the other front, you could quick swap back and manage that side as well. Yeah, it's quickly swap. Just press the minus button on the remote or any other controller and move back to the other captain. Okay. Um, so, it, it, again... It, even the competitive multiplayer have more of this micromanaging stuff, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, it it becomes kind of tricky to actually get like this this word collect of this this collect line of of items or like enemies, because again it it becomes tricky because the enemies are constantly on your toes and it becomes like a back and forth battle to actually like overcome like your foes. Um, and there are also like special items in the game by collecting like cherries. So you can okay. gift them like a meteor rain on the opposite yeah. side of the Pikmin. Those horde. were in Pikmin too, as well. Yeah, and you can completely screw them over, which is just fantastic. That that was always the greatest part in the the Pikmin two multiplayer mode, where you would get like uh, one of the items was one of those warthogs that breathes fire or water. Mm-hmm. Um, and while the opposing captain was wandering around picking up cherries or grabbing marbles or something like that, you would just throw down one of these warthogs at the uh, the onion mm-hmm. and the captain would come back and their whole base was just in utter disarray because all their Pikmin were on fire running around screaming. <laughs> yeah. It just makes of course, all, if all your Pikmin are gone, you're instantly game over. So mm-hmm. that's something to keep in mind as well, of course. Um... I think what makes the package so strong in Pikmin 3 is just the overall presentation and how it feels and how it looks. Just just watching like things on the gamepad, like watching your replay of the day and how you did it, is just one of the like the little things that makes you smile. And the, the gamepad is not very used, like in the most innovative way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like, have to remember, this was a Wii game that eventually came yeah, to the Wii U. So. But for example, you can take like pictures from the captain's perspective on the gamepad and send them to Miiverse. Okay. And they are they they actually become interesting. It's just an additional thing that you just can do when you're walking about in environments or just want to screw about a little. Um mm-hmm. of course within your time frame that's still available to you. Um you can take pictures in the game, which is an insanely funny feature. I mean I made a close up <laughs> of the red Pikmin and said the Pikmin travel begins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to for, to start out my like Captain Log adventures. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Anything else yeah. about the game that you wanted to talk about? Um. I mean, I've, I know I'm very excited. I mean, of course, I could talk about the flying Pikmin, but that's basically saying they can attack from the sky and carry stuff from out the sky. Do they add a lot to the game in uh, item collection sense? Where? Um, I mean, I guess they, they, they carry are, items They are back. more important for, like, specific enemies. Okay. Um, because certain enemies like to like to keep themselves in the sky, and therefore are the winged Pikmin are, like, perfect to, like, send them upon them. Um, oh, here's a good question for you. I'm not sure if you want to tell me spoilers or not. Um, purple and white Pikmin, are, are they back or no? Um... Sounds good. Uh, I, 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 I think they are. Uh, they are available in the multiplayer mode. Okay. 
I'm, I'm, I can't recollect if I saw them that often in the single... I don't think I saw them, but they are in the multiplayer modes. Okay. Or in the co-op multiplayer modes, or in the mission modes, I believe. Um, I'd, I'd, I'm not exactly for sure if I saw them in the actual campaign. Sounds good. Be a secret discovery that I'll make on my own, I suppose. Find mm-hmm. out if they're there. Yeah. Um. It's Anything else? Yeah, it's... I mean, I think most people are interested in how long it will take to complete the game. Um, mm-hmm. So if you Have are you beaten the game, I've beat the game uh, because else I wouldn't be writing a review, of course, right now, uh, which is coming soon to Nintendo dot com. TM. <laughs> um, hopefully on Sunday. It could be a day later. Could be a day a day earlier. Yeah. So no soon, right say. after this segment goes up, you'll be able to find the review. Yeah. Hopefully the day after. Um, okay, so the, the complete time in the, the if, if you don't complete like the game fully one hundred percent and just go from the beginning to end, um, it will roughly take you like eight nine hours to complete. Okay. Um, if you want to go like for the four hundred percent and collect all the fruit and get the one hundred percent ending, uh, which is maybe important for some, that will roughly take you seventeen hours. Did you do that yourself? Yeah. Okay. And of course, you still then have like the mission mode and and the the, the, the bingo mode to go through. Yeah. Which I'm sure many people will play many times if if they are into the game, of course. Yeah. Um. So it's a pretty fine package. I I should say it's not the full like retail price in in the West. I mean, I mean, I know for euros it's like. 40 and I think the same translates to dollar so it's not the full price like experience so mm-hmm. I actually f- I think it's pretty well priced in that fashion good yeah. um well I guess we are going to wrap this segment up yep. do you have any final thoughts Don? Pikmin 3 is one of the most interesting titles you will possibly play on Wii U this year um well, the next one will, of course, be the Wonderful 101, which, if you are in Europe, that's an important thing to note because that came out of the latest Nintendo Direct Mini. If you decide to buy Pigment Free Digital, you get 30% off of the Wonderful 101. And I, if you're interested in Pigment 3, I definitely think you should be interested in Wonderful 101. They both look fantastic. Yeah. For one of us more strategy-focused and the others more action-focused, but... yeah. Both of, both of those games are pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Pikmin 3 comes out in Europe July 26th and yep. in North America August 8th. So it's coming up pretty quickly. So better dust off your Wii U's if you haven't already for Earthbound, which just came out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, get ready for some Pikmin 3. I mean, some, um, I mean, some people have possibly have been downloading new Super Luigi U. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I didn't get around to getting that yet. So, uh, Earthbound yesterday was the first time I, I broke I, out my I, Wii U. I, in a mean, while. I mean, for Europe and North America, it's kind of starting right now the real Wii U season. Mm-hmm. Because for sure. in August, also, like a lot of stuff is coming out with, for example. Oh, we're, we're starting the uh, one game a month. Yeah. Trail for North to... America, it's, it's not technically getting a game in August. Uh, technically, well, they, well, technically, they are. Um, well, we're getting. Yeah. Pikmin three. Yeah, we're getting pick, you're getting Pikmin three, but beginning of August, but yeah. it's there. But um, um, you didn't get a game this month, so that's a bit weird. Um, no, yeah, this was the one month. 
sad. For um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting period from now on, with especially with the digital side of things, with Ducktales and and um, Knock's, um Spin the Bottle, which I actually find surprisingly fun. Yeah. Um, there's a lot coming out soon. There, there's so. a lot of com- stuff coming out. So, Adductors yeah. will master. Don't forget that. Yeah. So it should kick off the real Wii U season, which should have started like months ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there you go. Better, better, better late than never. That's true. That's yes. true. And how to kick it off with a fantastic game. Yeah, it's great to see it leading the uh, lineup of fantastic stuff. Okay. So. Yep, everyone uh, check out Nintendo World Report in the coming few days for uh, Don's review of Pikmin 3 and all our continued coverage. Yep. So I'll see you guys later. See ya. Alex Kulafi here, and with me this week is Dave Mellert, our famed editor and contributor. Hey, Dave. Hi, how's it going? Pretty good. And we are going to be talking about the new Super Mario Bros. franchise, and specifically going to be doing kind of a retrospect of it. I've been playing the DS one lately, and I was thinking that maybe a fun thing to do on connectivity this week would be to talk about where the series started, how it gained its notoriety uh, later in the franchise, and maybe what we want to do with the future of the series. So first off, I wanted to talk about New Super Mario Bros. for the DS, which came out in 2006. Now, I don't know if you remember, Dave, but this was, uh, barring all the stuff that happened after the franchise, when everyone thought it got tired, this was an extremely fresh game. That bot-bot level music was completely new. The 2.5D graphics were new. Uh, the physics were new because it added a bunch of stuff from the 3D Mario games with the wall jump and the ground pound and stuff. And it added a bunch of new power-ups that even changed the size of Mario. So tell me, Dave, what is your history with this game? All right. Well, um, you know, my first experience with it was, I think it was probably a demo in GameStop. Um, I actually didn't pick up the uh, DS for, boy, I, you know, for, I bought the DS, I think it was the month that the black DS Lite came out. You remember what year that was? <sighs> boy, I want to say 2008, okay. maybe. 2000, it was 2007 or 2008. 
All right. I think, but I could be totally wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was it was when the the black DS Lite came out because I'd okay. been hearing good things about the DS Lite, um, and there were a couple games I wanted to play. Uh, one of them was. Um, Mario and Luigi Partners in Time, which yep. I talked about with Don last week. And uh -huh. the other game was New Super Mario Brothers. Um, like I said, I, I played demos of it. And, you know, at first I thought it was just kind of a, a reskin of <laughs> one of the older Super Mario games. Um, but it became very clear after uh, playing it that, you know, that you could. You had the wall jumps. You had the ground pound. Um, a lot of these elements, like you said, from the 3D Mario games, and that I, I thought was amazing and totally changed up uh, Mario games. Yeah, and uh, I think the really interesting thing is because, like you, New Super Mario Bros. was basically my real introduction to owning a DS for the first time. And mm -hmm. I probably played the same demo you did in a Walmart where it was maybe the first two levels of the game and it might have included that first Bowser fight. Mm -hmm. But I think the really interesting thing about this game is that the first world sort of introduces you to the game by sort of by sort of bringing you back to a lot of interesting tropes from the past of the franchise, like, oh, here's Bowser, here's the Switch you step on, oh, here's this Plains level that you start out with and the underground level that follows. But the really interesting thing about this game is how after that happens completely distances itself from the original games by having that desert world, by having eight bosses that are completely different than anything the 2D franchise has done before. And I think that's one of the things I really love about it, is that it grounds itself just a little bit in the Mario games of the past, but once you allow it to open up, it becomes completely its own animal. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and... Um... You know, it took me completely by surprise. So uh, that was, I mean, it came out pretty much, I, I was right in the middle of graduate school. So I was a classic example of a lapsed gamer. <laughs> so I had absolutely <laughs> no idea, you know, about the game. Again, I, I just picked it up in a GameStop one day and, and thought, wow, this is, this is really something special. And, I, and yeah. it was, like I said, one of the reasons that I eventually picked up a DS Lite. So. Yeah, I think one of the really cool things about it is how, like, it is, in my opinion, maybe the perfect first DS game to own, because it introduces you to the new graphics in a non-threatening way, it introduces you to gameplay you've played before, but just a little bit better because it's on the DS now, and it can handle things in a way that the GBA couldn't. Like, the Game Boy Advance, it was great at handling ports, or half remakes of the original Mario games, but the DS is something different. It can handle its own new, unique 2D Mario game. Yeah, you know, and, and I really think that um, just the whole structure of how 2D Mario games work um, is really conducive to a handheld experience. You know, the, yep. the levels are very uh, bite-sized, if you will. Um, it's something that's easy to play on the go, maybe not so much on the train when you're standing up, but, uh, you know, if you have a chance to sit down for a couple minutes, you can play through a level and it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. They made it really accessible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think, 
I think the interesting thing about this game is that compared to the new games, which New Super Mario Bros. Wii, New Super Mario Bros. 2, New Super Mario Bros. U, when everyone was like, oh, it's the same art style, it's the same music, it's the same, oh, they're dancing a little. I think the crazy thing is that you almost forget that the original New Super Mario Bros. actually introduced all of this, and in 2006, this was all fresh content that no one had seen before. Well, you know, I think there there was a lot of freshness to it, to the presentation, but, you know, it's more or less, um, I, I, I think there's a lot of continuity across all of the 2D Mario games. So this might be one of the points where our opinions diverge and how, um, <laughs> how, how much <laughs> the more recent games are sort of lazy uh, iterations or, well, I'm not, or not. But. Well, I think the, I was just going to say that the interesting thing isn't, like, I don't necessarily think it's full-on rehash, but it's so amazing that because of how iterative the series might have gotten to an extent, that the original game, like, this was all completely new and completely original once. Like, there was no debate uh, as to whether this was old, rehashed content or not. Well, I think a lot of that was just, I mean, it was the first 2D Mario game that wasn't just a re-release. Uh, Since 1995 with Yoshi's Island, or if you want to do real 2D Mario's, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins in 92. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and I think I would because, um, you know, I view the Yoshi's Island games as sort of a little bit of a different kind of a beast. Um, yeah. So in terms of that gameplay style that we know to be the 2D Mario, you know, I'm talking now about Super Mario Brothers, um, not Super Mario 2 because that's a bit different, but Super Mario 3, Super Mario World, Super Mario Land, yep. uh, etc. So, and that was the first type of that game to be released in, in quite a long time, so I think that there was a lot of, um, you know, it, it touched a little bit on the nostalgia aspect. Um, I think there might have been, you know, a general hunger to have that kind of experience again. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the new elements that it brought... Um, were, were really welcome and they were really fresh. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously a very important game, great game. So I agree. Like the word important, I think is key here, especially in the frame of the 2d Mario series, because to me, this feels like an extremely worthy follow-up to the games of the past. I'm not going to say it's as good as Mario three or Mario world, but the fact that it did crazy stuff, like it can make Mario gigantic uh, it made this new feature where Mario could go through cracks, and I believe it added the star coins for the first time, at least to this extent. And I also am almost positive that in the Mario games, it also added the real checkpoints. Um, I real... think the checkpoints have happened before, maybe. So you mean a checkpoint as in you get to Those a certain Those little point. flags that pop up. Well, you, those ever happened before? You had them in Super Mario World. There was that halfway gate that you could. You're absolutely right. I well, at least the star coins, anyways. The, the star, star coins, coins were completely new. The star coins were completely new. The, um, now I think that there were suggestions for that type of, uh, you know, collect these special coin uh, gameplay, dating back to Super Mario World because you had the Yoshi coins. Um, and you also had the red coins in Super Mario 64. Yep. Um, so I think the ID 
idea there is pretty similar, but the way um, that the star coins were used uh, in terms of, I think, like purchasing uh, item houses, um, actually they were useful for saving the game your first time through. <laughs> because whenever, th- yeah. whenever you spent the coins, you could do a hard save rather than the quick save. Um, I, I think they were also pretty unique because they allowed a way for they could make a really easy 2D Mario game that a lot of kids and maybe older people who weren't too familiar could easily get into. But it also gave difficulty to maybe the more experienced of us who want to search out every nook and cranny and make each level as challenging as possible. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And, um, you know, a a point that I think I'll probably bring up again later um, is just how the designers of the new Super Mario Brothers games have worked in a a very natural um, sort of choose-your-own-difficulty structure to the gameplay where, you know, anybody from an expert gamer uh, to a novice gamer can pick up the game and have a lot of fun um, and, you know, not have it feel forced. You're not selecting a difficulty setting. You're just playing it how you you want to play it. and I, I think it's brilliant. I agree. I think that's one of the things that, for whatever anyone can say about the series, that's one thing they do really masterfully, is that they can accommodate every single skill level to at least some extent. Agreed, yeah. yeah. And, uh, alright, great. So moving on, talking about how the franchise evolved. First we got New Super Mario Bros. Wii in 2009, and the big thing there was four-player co-op, It sort of introduced Yoshi, and I say sort of because I think it was only for, like, two levels. Uh, It was the first Wii game with the Super Guide, and I don't know if it was the first game with the Super Guide, but I do believe it was the first Wii game with the Super Guide. It was the first uh, New Super Mario Bros. game with a secret world, though the game still contained 80 levels like the predecessor. And it brought back the Koopalings for the first time in the New Super Mario Bros. series. So I think... This is the very first time where the new Super Mario Bros. series started to iterate a little. And I remember where a lot of people really loved the co-op, but some people were also saying that the game wasn't that special or unique for its single-player experience. Do you agree with that? Well, boy, you know, that's that's a tough question. Was it special or unique? Um... No. Okay. Perhaps not. Um, but I don't think that made it any less of an excellent game. Um, you know, this is a case where I think the context um, around the game, you know, in terms of what other games were available, how long had it been since there was a, you know, well done 2D, real 2D Mario game, I think these factors, you know, play into people's perception of the game, you know, to say, was there anything truly unique? I mean, it was unique in that it was a Mario game. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think any other developers out there are making 2d platformers, uh, as well as, as Nintendo with the, with the Mario 2d Mario games. Um, yeah. So in, in that sense, you know, there's that level of uniqueness. Um, but you're right, you know, you've got Yoshi, you've, you've seen Yoshi before, you know what Yoshi's all about. You know, you've had a wall-jumping Mario before. Um, 
there were some new power-ups with the penguin suit and ice Mario and so on um, that brought some interesting gameplay styles um, to the table. But, you know, I think it's fair to say that there was any, anything incredibly surprising or unique. It was just a really well done game. Um, well, I definitely agree with that. And those are definitely excellent points. I think what made new super Mario bros. Wii special to me because I played new super Mario bros. Wii two and you all in 2012 for the first time. And the thing that really surprised me about the Wii game compared to the DS game is that the developers of this game were less afraid to make really challenging levels. Like, mm -hmm. even the base level before you get the star coins involved, some of those levels are really damn hard. Yeah, you know, I don't remember having that much more trouble with um, New Super Mario Bros. Wii than I did. I mean... You know, again, just talking about the uh, organically scaling difficulty of the new Super Mario Bros. games. There, were, if you wanted to do everything in New Super Mario Brothers, uh, the original one for the DS, I mean, some of that stuff was hard. Yep. Um, the things that you had to do as Mini Mario, for example, even going through and defeating a boss. <laughs> yeah, uh, as, just surviving. Yeah, that you know that was that was really challenging. So I mean, I, you know, I'm sure that you know every Mario game has some levels that some people are, you know, there are going to be some levels in every Mario game that everybody finds challenging, right? Um, I, I just don't remember that one being, nothing standing out to me especially. Certainly not like New Super Mario Brothers uh, Wii U. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we'll get to that one. Yeah. Um, but this, like I mentioned, this is also the first instance of the Koopalings for the New Super Mario Bros. franchise. And I think it was also their first big appearing a big appearance since Super Mario World. So what did you think of those? Did you think those were a worthy follow-up to the unique bosses like Petey Piranha and the big pokey from the first game? Well, um you know, I think that for there there's a nostalgia element to those bosses, right? So mm -hmm. I, I really love, I think as, as most people who played New Super Mario Brother, or I'm sorry, Super Mario World uh, for Super Nintendo. I mean, I, everybody remembers the Koopalings and Mario 3. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of nostalgia there. And, and I, so I thought that was nice. And maybe it clouded the fact that the bosses just weren't as interesting and new <laughs> as yeah. those in New Super Mario Brothers. So, um, Well... Yeah. Excellent. Um, next up, the third game in the series, releasing last year, was New Super Mario Bros. 2 for the 3DS. Mm -hmm. And this is the point in the series where I was mentioning it a little before, but this is the part where we're really going to start talking about, is the series iterating too little? Mm -hmm. um, because it added the coin rush, which is excellent. It added DLC for the first time. It added the focus on coins, where you were supposed to collect as many coins as possible, and it was sort of banking on the feeling you get when you collect a coin. And uh, yeah, there weren't there weren't many power ups. The only new one was the gold flower, which was a temporary power up, and it also brought back the super leaf. But more importantly, the reason why I think this is when people really started to get tired is compared to the first and the second game, which I believe are doing Metacritic 
above 80. I think so. I know the second one is like 87. This is the game where people started giving it sevens and saying that, no, 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 you're wrong, Miyamoto. This isn't enough. Do you think that New Super Mario Bros. 2 is a fresh, unique game? I know that it's the exact same question as New Super Mario Bros. Wii, but it's the exact same question I really gotta ask for all three of these games. Because, yeah. Yeah, so here I would have to again agree that it's not fresh or unique. Um, But unlike uh, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, I... I'd say I, I enjoyed uh, New Super Mario Brothers 2, but I, I think it's probably the low point of the four games. Um, yeah. You know, there's some interesting things going on, and, and I really do like the golden flower uh, mechanic. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Um, but it just, you know, it didn't, it didn't really grab me and excite me in the way that the other games did. Um, and I don't know if that's a level design issue, whether I feel like I had just played uh, that that game <laughs> in New Super yeah. Mario Bros. Wii, you know. But I, I think I, ha- you know, I probably would have been one of the reviewers giving the game. You know, I don't know if I would have gone seven, but I would have put it in probably low eights. And for me, that's pretty low for a Mario. You know, as a lover of two D yeah. Mario games, that's pretty low. So, I mean, just in my opinion. It was kind of weak in a few ways. I really liked, like you said, the gold flower. It was extremely fun to just blow up blocks and stuff. I really did enjoy the feeling of collecting 1 million coins and playing the game for 30 hours, and I really do like Coin Rush. But the Koopaling bosses felt really tired in this game. The two-player co-op was extremely broken, where um, it was more... Just, if you don't stay at the exact same place as the first person you're playing with, the other guy's just going to fall behind. Like, it's impossible for the screen to expand, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I I played very little of the co-op mode um, in that game, so I I can't really speak too much uh, to to how well that was done, but... Yeah, and then the soundtrack. This is the third time around where the soundtrack is pretty much exactly the same... Minions dancing and the same, but but as the original games, yeah. And this is the point where it started to bother me. Yeah, you know, I I felt that way though until New Super Mario Brothers U. Okay. Um, yeah, right. I, I guess we're probably not. Well, I don't know if you wanted to talk. Oh, more that's about a this perfect game, segue. Okay, <laughs> uh, we're done with New Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Two. I was I just wanted to give it a fair shake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New Super Mario Bros. U is was a Wii U launch game, and it was sold as, okay, we're finally going to give you a Mario game at launch again. Yeah. It was an HD, it has five-player multiplayer with boost mode, it has boost rush, it has the challenge stuff where you can play as the Mii, it has the squirrel suit, it has more levels than any other game in the series. I think there's well over 80 this time. Uh... It brought back the Baby Yoshis and the Big World map from Mario World. Mm-hmm. It's got the off-TV play, and then there's also some other stuff, like the Mini Mushrooms can run up walls. Mm-hmm. I really like this game. I, I think this game is fantastic, and it's my favorite of the new Super Mario Brothers series. Yep. Um, you know, I 
everything from the the power ups. You know, they brought back. I think, I think they brought back everything from New Super Mario Brothers Wii, right? Yeah, it's uh, although the, and then the cool power ups were unlockable at the end, except in New Super Luigi U, where they were used on a few levels, like the penguin suit and the propeller suit. Right, right. Um, yeah, just the 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 creativity and diversity in the levels um, is. Yeah, you know, something that I hadn't really seen since Super Mario World. Um, yeah, and uh, even if they didn't change the art style necessarily, or they didn't change the music, the fact that it was in HD gave them a lot more freedom to get a little more creative with the 2.5D thing, where you had the painted wasteland or the painted swampland level, where it was basically like a whole painting in the background and the pipes were paintings. And even in HD, Mario looks just different enough, I think. Yeah, and, and also, because it's in HD, it gives you know the, the camera, if you will, the ability to, to do a lot more um, zooming in and out. Um, yeah. and, and, and that has huge impact on gameplay. You know, it lets you see more of, of what's ahead um, and can you know, tighten into close quarters for when you have to maneuver kind of on that level. Um, and I think it gives, you know, it probably gave the developers a little bit more flexibility in terms of the kinds of levels that they could construct. And I think that, that added a lot to the, the diversity. Um, yeah. You know, one, uh, I think, what were you going to say? I was going to say, you know, this is one of the rare cases, I think, where HD, other than just making a game looks, look prettier, mm -hmm. really adds to the uh, gameplay potential. Yes. And I also think that this game is special in the same way New Super Mario Bros. Wii is special, and that the levels could be very difficult, especially in this game. I think this is the hardest New Super Mario Bros. game, and I think it also has the best level design. I uh, There's no question this is the hardest <laughs> New Super yeah. Mario Bros. game. I think it may very well be the hardest 2D Mario since, you know, Mario 3. Yeah, um, classics. Yeah, and uh, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> at the, at this point, you know, I, I consider myself a pretty pretty uh, high level Mario gamer, so I was really excited that this game was pretty hard. Um, but here's my one issue with it, and I've been sort of subtly shitting on the series a little bit for the entirety of this segment, and that I think by this point. By New Super Mario Bros. U, I'm starting to get run down with the fact that the Koopalings, this is their third game. And with New Super Luigi U, which was great because it had the Luigi physics, it was harder, and it had Nabbit. This, this would be the fourth time in a row where we were fighting the Koopalings in the series. The music is, despite the fact that it got a little better in New Super Mario Bros. U, pretty much unchanged. The, the art style, even though it got better in New Super Mario Bros. U, pretty much unchanged. And with New Super Mario Bros. Wii and the original New Super Mario Bros., how they introduced, like, three power-ups, New Super Mario Bros. 2 and New Super Mario Bros. U introduced one to each. And I think that maybe if we're going to talk about the future of this series, the elephant in the room would be, can they keep doing what they're doing and just making a better new Super Mario Bros. and not giving and not turning the series on its head, if you will? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know how much you can do in terms of turning the series on its head and still having it be a 
2D Mario game. You know, I, I think looking back, the, the times when the series has really seen major departures from the core formula hasn't really worked for me. So, you know, there's certain elements in terms of, um, you know, how Mario handles, you know, what the power-ups do um, that weigh very heavily on how the levels are designed and how the flow of, of the levels are, are. So, you know, to some extent, I don't think you can make really huge changes to the formula. You know, but then there's these cosmetic issues. You talked about art style and music. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they should do something new in that regard. I think it just needs a new soundtrack, to be honest. I think they should just drop the whole... Like, you can have the environment interact with the music, and I thought that's been cool and continues to be cool since the beginning, but they need to just... They gotta drop the... Uh, they gotta drop what they've been doing, I think. Well, I think, we, you know, with uh, New Super Mario Brothers U, we started to see some experimentation with the art style there. Um, and particularly, you know, you, you referred to the painting levels before, that Starry Night type art. Starry uh, Night, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think that, you know, I, they, a lot of the art does look the same, you know. Um, to some extent, what are you going to do? It's Mario, right? <laughs> yeah, you, mm -hmm. you've, a lot of things are going to look the same just because they're expectations, right? You can't. You know, you can't make Mickey Mouse look edgy, right? <laughs> like, Mario's always <laughs> going to look like Mario. Luigi's going to look like Luigi. Goomba's going to look like a Goomba. Well, they tried with Epic Mickey, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can really say about the Epic Mickey franchise, just, just trailing off. <laughs> um, and and uh, probably, you know, that might be part of the reason why that game didn't do as well as, as other Disney games did in the past. You know, you're, you're selling a, a brand, you're selling recognition, Um you know, so Mario's got to look like Mario. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. If you were given complete creative control of the next new Super whatever game, how would you do it? How would you make it fresh but still keep it in the realm of 2D Mario? Well, I mean, there's the basic, um, you know, co coats of paint <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of idea again. You know, they can do something different with the music. I mean, looking back across all the 2D Mario games, you know, the music is, when it's been new, has been fantastic. You know, yep. thinking about the dungeon music from New Super Mario World, or, or I'm sorry, from Super Mario World, um, you know, the underground, the, the pipe music from Super Mario 3, how they, you know, took the classic uh, underground theme and then mixed it up with, with different percussion. You know, that was really cool. And I think that, you know, I, I think that they should really try to work some new music into the series. And, um, you know, maybe that's not particularly high on their priority list, but I think it would add a lot. Uh, I think you're right. I think it's getting a little old, you know. <laughs> and, and I end up just turning off the sound for the most part. So gameplay-wise, would you just, would you be okay with them just keep doing what they've been doing? Or is there something specific you'd want to change in New Super Mario Bros. 5? You know, gameplay-wise, I, I like the gameplay so much, I don't know how much you would want to change. And when I say I like the gameplay so much, I like the feel of mm -hmm. controlling Mario, okay? And that there's a certain weight, right? There's a certain inertia to the way he moves. Uh, yeah, I love the physics. Of yeah, when you, when you stick to a wall, when you're doing a wall slide, and... and 
everything, everything feels really good, right? It feels right. And, you know, the thing is, when you have a, you know, a, a, a physics uh, engine that you've kind of stuck with and, and decided on, you know, and if you think about how Mario levels are designed, they're, they're actually really meticulously designed around Mario's abilities, right? Platforms yeah. are always just the right distance away to make it an interesting jump, you know, yeah. um, paths through the, you know, you're usually given a couple of different paths, uh, through an area and it's all designed around which power up you may or may not have, you know, um, yeah. one thing I find really incredible about, um, new super Mario brothers, you is, you know, m most of those levels, you can have fun going through as small Mario, make it all the way through, you know, and then you could go back and play the level, um, with uh, the squirrel suit and have a completely different experience and it still works. Yeah. And you know, I, th I think that's amazing. And the fact that, you know, the fact that it's like that, but that people don't necessarily talk about it really, you know, is says a lot about the developers. They make everything work so well that it all just feels natural and you don't notice what they've done. Um, so anyway, this is maybe too much gushing, you know, <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to say is because everything works so well in that regard, I don't know how much I would change, right? The things that you would want to change are just take a lot of the elements that they already have and, and remix them in interesting ways with different types of power-ups, and that's basically what they've been doing, and I've really been enjoying that. Um, so you think a new coat of paint, if you throw that on, you have them keep doing what they, they're doing, maybe add something nice new, you'd be completely okay with that being your creative new Super Mario Bros. 5? Well, I mean, they're, they're going to you know, need to bring in new power-ups that change. Right, right. You know, they're going to need to have new ideas for how to remix the different uh, you know, elements of a Mario level together in interesting ways. Um, and... You know, and, and just some of the interesting th things they've done with the new Super Mario series, right? particularly the uh, Wii and, and U versions, are just kind of, you know, um, restricting your ability in certain ways, like your ability to see the level with the lights, or, um, you know, maybe slowing you down through, uh, you know, you have to control a, a moving platform or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I, th I think what they've been doing is, is has been really interesting. I just want to see more of that. I mean, maybe that's a boring answer, but I've been really <laughs> no, impressed. No, it's not. So. It's, it's, it's great because, um, no, you definitely touched on how masterful they already make these games. And if you give it a coat of paint, maybe that's all it really needs for people to see how great the game is again. Yeah, they need new music. You know, actually, okay, here's, here's something new they could do. Okay. Um, and this touches on one of the complaints that you had regarding the uh, Koopalings, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think, for the most part, and this goes for 2D or 3D Mario games, I don't think the bosses have ever really been that interesting. <laughs> or, okay, or, no, that's totally fair. Or, or fun. And I think when they have been fun, it's because they've introduced really interesting platforming elements in, in how you approach the boss or how you have to defeat the boss. Um, so I think actually the bosses are an area where there's you know a lot of room for doing for new and interesting things yeah okay excellent so for mine i had two ideas of my own when i was thinking about this i think one thing 
that I wish they would step away from in future entries is that I know it's great to play off nostalgia and to and to include things like the crazy classic world map from uh, New Super from Super Mario World and to include the Koopalings and the Resners and the Boom Booms and the same classic power ups. I kind of wish that with this studio and these EAD studios being as talented as they are, for them to try making their own original classic stuff that isn't like a play on uh, something from the past, but bringing it back, but is just their own completely unique idea to bring into Mario that no one has done before and can stand right alongside the classic four games. Now, I am not those pe those guys, so I don't know what those ideas are, but that's exactly the point. I want them to make something crazy and classic that I haven't seen before. I want them to make a new game that won't just be the new Super Mario Bros. series, but it'll be the next evolution for Mario, like uh, 3 was to the first two, like World was to 3, and to a slightly lesser extent, the original new Super Mario Bros. was to 4. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, and this is just a, not necessarily a silly idea, but maybe something that would be fun, would be if these teams aren't really working on anything right now, since they've already gotten their two New Super Mario Bros. games done on the system, maybe it would be fun to do something like New Super Wario Bros. Well, I mean, but the, the Wario games are kind of just a whole different thing, aren't they? I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a slower-paced... Uh platformer with more puzzle elements. Um, Do you think they should try something new, though? Like, a new type of platformer that they haven't necessarily worked on? Like, what can this EAD team do with this other type of slower collecting platformer? Because I think there's a lot of talent that they're only putting into one game franchise. It's sort of like my complaints with the idea of Retro going back to Metroid again and again, because I think that they're so much more talented than that, and I think they have potential to do uh, different types of games. Yeah, but then, you know, they go and do uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns, and everyone loves that, <laughs> and then they do another Donkey Kong Country game, and everyone's freaking out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, sometimes it feels like maybe, you know, these really high-quality developers can't win. Um, yeah. But, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, I've enjoyed the Wario games that have been made. Who who developed the, like, Shake It? And... That was Good Feel. I am almost 100% positive. Okay, so I, mean, I thought that was a, great, a good game, and um, I enjoyed the, the handheld Wario games, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I see what you're saying in terms of doing a different type of game, but in that case, why even limit it to a 2D platformer? I mean, they could do just about anything, right? I would love that. I would love the new Super Mario Bros. guys to just make a new IP that's not, maybe not even a, well, probably they should be working on a platformer of some kind, but maybe not even Mario. Maybe it's their own platformer with their own rules. Mm -hmm. I would be completely down for that. Mm -hmm. I think they have the talent and the potential for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they do. I mean, they're, you know, the quality of the, of the work that they put into the new Super Mario uh, series really speaks for itself. So I'm sure they could do just about anything they wanted um, in terms of their abilities, not necessarily in terms of what uh, 
you know, the Nintendo executives, <laughs> right. you know, suggest uh, that they should be working on. I mean, I think it wouldn't surprise me if they did do something really differently for their next project, whether it is a new Super Mario Brothers game or something completely different, if only because, you know, I think finally with new Super Mario Brothers U, maybe that game didn't perform as, as well as they thought it would, at least compared to the other ones. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So... Wrapping up, Dave. Any last thoughts on the franchise? No, I mean, I, I, no, I just want to say that I think that this is, I mean, this is just probably my favorite video game franchise right now. Um, I am an old school 2D platformer fan. I love these games. I totally understand what people say uh, when people say that, you know, it's just a little too much of the same thing. Um, you know, but you know, okay, change up the art style, change up the music, but. Give me that feel of, of moving Mario around a level and give me that high-quality level design, and uh, I'll be happy. Maybe I'm easy. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I totally agree. I think that there is room in this world for the new Super Mario Bros. series to exist and still be fresh to everyone, but I'm just not 100% sure they're fully doing it right now. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think it's time for a minor evolution, even if it is minor. Well, I, I, I would love to see that. I'm sure that whatever they do, I'll probably like it. <laughs> Perfect. So thanks for joining me, Dave. I think that'll be a wrap. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. So if you have any thoughts on this, if you have any thoughts on the new Super Mario Bros. franchise, feel free to leave a comment in the talkback thread. And that'll be a wrap, everybody. Bye. I'm your host, Neil Ronahan, and with me today are two dads, Andy Gergen and Scott Thompson. To, be, to be clear, that we're not your two dads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, no, ju we're just two, two non-specified fathers. Yes. <laughs> fathers to uh, kids that are a year and change each. Yeah. Sounds about yeah. right. That's and what happened was we got a listener mail that was uh, several questions, most of which revolved around, uh, you know, the writer... 
you know, playing games with his kid. And uh, I've played a lot of video games with my nieces that are all around. Well, uh, at least the ones that I've played games with are uh, five and seven. Um, so I've got some experience with playing games with kids. And we're going to talk about these questions, starting off with one not really related to kids. Yeah, I want to say, too, these all came from Christian from Connecticut to give him give him proper due. You did not put that on the notes, so I can't. I know, it was it, it, it was in the email, I forgot to copy it. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Alright, so we'll start off with his first question, which is, have save states killed the dogged, stick it to itness of the last generation? I grew up in the original Super Mario Brothers, and the only way to see what was next was the slog from the beginning. Now my daughter, age 5, will just open up my completed save file in the new Super Mario Brothers games and have free access to anything she wants to see. Um, so what do you guys think about this? Well, to be fair, we had help. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Maybe I'm I'm a little bit older than the two of you, so this may not apply to you. But when I was growing up playing video games, I had a little black book. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo Power put out a, a really, really handy strategy guide that had full maps for every stage, pretty much, of the, the 30 most popular NES games. And yeah, all and the codes. It was, it was like a strategy slash cheat guide for every game that was worth playing. Yeah, so and, and we had plenty of help those, jumping and around. one thing with all those, too, is that it's not like 3D games, where like those 2D games, it would literally just be screenshots from the game, and they would compose a map. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like an interpretation of the level. It was an exact picture of the Literally, stage. Yeah, yeah like I've, I've heard uh, Nintendo Power editors and I guess like EGM and other stuff. I don't know exactly who I remember hearing this from, but it would be some people's jobs to literally play a game and take pictures of that part of the stage and that part of the stage so they could piece it together and make the entire map. I think that was the Nintendo Power that I, that I read that about. Um, yeah, I mean... crazy. That's not to say that we didn't have to slog through some games, because some of those games were ridiculously difficult. Like, yeah. the Ninja Gaiden games, no matter yeah, how exactly you <laughs> no matter how you sliced it, were going to be difficult. Now, I also had a Game Genie, so I was I was coddled, oh, yeah. even yeah, at that, my young age. I mean, that That's what I wanted to talk about, was the Game Genie, because I had, I had Game Genie on, like, all of my consoles, you know, up until they stopped making it for, like, the N64. I never got, like, into Game Shark by that point, but, I mean, I used that to jump all over the place or to cheat so I could see the later parts of games I could never get to on my own. I remember um, when I was younger, I I memorized the Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2 debug codes. Oh, so nice. I don't yeah. know them anymore, but that I mean, that's how I would see and kind of figure out how to beat later levels in the game. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think there's something to what he's saying, because I know for me personally, when I go back and play old school games on like the 3DS Virtual Console, like the Mega Man games, man, I abused the shit out of some same states. <laughs> Like it, it's it's ridiculous. It's 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 just downright criminal. My abuse of save states, because they're there, they will be heavily used. They will be abused, and if you can actually like abstain from using them, more power to you. So, I I think I don't know that it really affects them being able to to jump around between different levels, but I do think that it it allows them to game the system to just retry a difficult part over and over again until they get it. Um, Save states and Mega Man effectively remove the, the the requirement to collect extra lives, because as yeah. long as you get to a boss with one spare life, you can just die, take your save state at the start of your next life, and then you have as many tries as you want to clear the boss. And so, I think the one thing with save states that I don't think really kill it for me is that it's not like they beat the game for you. 
Right, you still have to like physically yeah. win. <laughs> right, yeah. like I mean, you have to yeah, play. You it. could be you could be real ridiculous about it, but that's my one thing. When I was, I, I mean, playing through, I played through Mega Man two and three on uh, the 3DS eShop, and I would kind of just use it as a way to make it less frustrating, so that way I wouldn't have to restart a stage when I ran out of lives. I'd just, you know, kind of get to a halfway point of the level, make a save state, get to the boss, make a save state, so that way I don't yeah. have to replay sections of it over and over again. Yeah, and I mean, there's a difference, too, between save states and save files. Like, I think save files in the, in the new Super Mario Brother games are fine. You know, like, I, oh, yeah. when I sit down with, with Tabby, my wife, not my daughter, to, uh, you know, to, like, play some new Super Luigi U, I don't want to start over every time. I mean, I want to make progress and eventually beat these games. And these games have gotten longer, too. Um, so I, I'm totally fine with, like, save files and stuff like that. Um, save states, yeah, I mean, you can kind of exploit them, but, you know, like Neil's saying here, you, you still do have to beat the game. So, if it's a tool that, that's purposely put in the game, then I, I really have no, no problem with it. I'm not worried of, like, a generation now of gamers who don't appreciate challenge or just, like, I don't know, super lazy or something. Like, every, yeah. every time you get your ass handed to you by a 10-year-old in Call of Duty, you can rest assured that the current generation or the next generation is going to be just fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm not worried about yeah. They're they're playing different games. Yeah, exactly. But no, I'm okay with it. All right. So the next question that we have is: How do you or will you handle multiple Nintendo handhelds and digital media? My daughter loves Bejeweled Twist on the 3DS, but it is on mine and not hers. She got a 3DS when I upgraded to the XL. Uh, she usually wants to play it when she sees me sit down with my 3DS. It is even worse when we consider retail games. Thank God I bought Donkey Kong Country Returns on cartridge because I had no idea she would love it so much. So have you guys kind of thought about this at all? Kind of like future-proofing your collections with your kids? Well, I have to believe that there will be a better way by then. Um, I'm not going to be... My, my daughter is, uh, what, 19, 20 months, something like that? I've, I've lost count. Um, <laughs> by the time she's actually interested in playing video games... Um, and and is actually picky about the game she wants to play and not just hit buttons to make sounds happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to believe that things will be better. I, I know things aren't great right now with Nintendo's uh, lack of a central account system and the ability the, the having the downloads tied to the system, but I I can't help but feel like this is a temporary problem. They're they're gonna figure this out. It's just it's taking them longer. <laughs> Am I yeah. am I am I crazy in thinking that? Am I am I a little Maybe too hopeful? Maybe a little, but hopefully not. I mean, I don't know. We're we're talking if, if we're saying your daughter's almost two, so we're saying his daughter's five and has developed an interest in, in playing certain games. So we're saying in three years from now that Nintendo will have like an account system where we'll be able to download multiple copies of the the same game on different handhelds. I I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Well. I okay maybe not within three years, but I would have to assume on the next generation of their of their hardware they'll have a solution. And if and if they don't, then I will probably just buy the games that I want to buy digital, digital, and the games. Well, it also depends on whether or not she has her own console, and that's that's really still up for grabs. I mean, I suppose I'm probably going to upgrade my 3ds eventually. I've I've always sold my old hardware to fund that, um, so I don't know. Well, that's if she what if I she do. has her own console, then I'll probably buy cartridge games for the games I think she might be interested in. I suppose. I mean, yeah. But I still feel like this is a temporary problem. By the time she's eight, nine, and is actually like really playing games regularly, um, or maybe who knows? Maybe she won't even care about video games. But <laughs> I feel like this this problem is is less than five years away from being solved. I have yeah. I have to believe. I that. I hope so. 
see, I feel like we're at a weird crossroads where it could be, right? There's this, like, this great utopian future where digital games are awesome and you can play them anywhere you want on any, any of your, your consoles or your platforms. But we also had the Xbox One, which was, like, dangerously close to completely limiting how you could play your games, um, yeah, and, and share also... your games. Not necessarily, because if you, yeah. if, if, if you, bought your games digitally on Xbox One and you had multiple Xbox One, you could play them on, on as many systems as you wanted to. The solution that Xbox One had actually would have more or less solved this problem. I mean, there's the, still the, they, 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 the dumb connectivity issue. And, yeah, there's still the dumb connectivity issue. I mean, Xbox One's solution was effectively even more freeing than, like, Apple's. It well, was I don't know. Fine. Wasn't there even an issue that it wasn't even clear if you would be able to, like, under a different account, be able to play a game on the same system? Well, nothing uh, was they, really they, all no, that they clear. They cleared that up, but it was just, you know, once again, the fact that you think that, they done fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if I believe that in, in a few years to be able just to, like, sit down and play your game on any, any Nintendo handle. You could just jump from 3DS to yeah. 3DS. Even with the account system, it just seems... I don't know. It just doesn't seem like Nintendo. I, I think there it will be easier to download your games on like a new handheld when you lose your other one. You know, I, I do believe there'll be something like that, but I don't know that like you'll be able to buy a game once and then like you'll be playing it on your 3ds and your your daughter will ostensibly be playing the same copy on her 3ds. I certainly think they're going to be lagging behind as as long as they are in this business in terms of this. Like I don't ever believe in a future where Nintendo gets it right ahead of anybody else, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there are certain levels of competency that I'm I'm I, I come to expect and I'm willing to forgive Nintendo uh, with about a 5 to 8 year like that's about as much that, that's about the window of forgiveness I'm going to give them is they can be about 5 to 8 years behind the times and they're they're getting close to that. And Well, I mean, look at the Wii U. It is roughly about 6 to years behind the times. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. But you do have to hand it to Nintendo. They have taken a great initiative as far as digital games are concerned. I mean, I I think they're the first platform to offer as many digital full digital downloads of, of games day one. Actually, they've, I would they've say come. Vita did that first. Well, yeah, okay, but who plays that? Like as far as like in, actually, as far as like Scott, noteworthy platforms, more people than play the Wii U. Well, that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like they've true. made great strides. The the day and date digital stuff and like the thirty dollar promotion with uh, Shimagami Tensei and Fire Emblem yeah. and um, the Oracle sale. I mean, can you imagine them doing the kind of sales they were doing? They're doing now like a year and a half ago. Yeah, um, I mean, remember I mean, that, that string of virtual console weeks where you had like, oh, here's buy two get one free, buy one get one half off, like so all this smart. Stuff constantly. Yeah, they're yeah. Really they're flexible. getting better. They're getting a lot better, and they they have a long way to go. But I have to believe that by the time my daughter is like asking for specific games, and they're the same games that I want to play. I mean, that's that overlap is going to be pretty small. I mean, maybe Animal Crossing. Maybe a, Mar- a a 2D Mario game. Maybe those 2D Mario games aren't easy. It'll take a while before yeah. before a, you know a five or six year old is going to want to play something that's kind of frustrating. Yeah, I mean, she'll be she'll well, be I mean, playing I, I have, Disney I have based direct, games. Uh, I would think a direct analog to that, and the fact that um, both my uh, my seven year old niece and my five year old niece have both played new Super Mario Brothers games before. Um, but usually only with me, and they force me to carry them through the level. <laughs> but I don't know if the uh, my seven-year-old niece's aptitude for games has gotten better. Because uh, when I played New Super Mario Brothers with her, I think she was four or five. Um, and that was the Wii version. And I played New Super Mario Brothers U with my five-year-old niece uh, several times recently. And it usually just devolves into her just going around the world map 
a lot or going to a level and wanting me to help her carry the baby Yoshi throughout the entire level. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's part of the reason why I'm probably going to buy all my Wii U games physically. Um, because with a lot of the games that got at launch, I wound up just lending them to my brother. So that way he could, you know, he could play them with my niece and she loved the crap out of Knots, despite not being able to really write words. She would kind of just type like randomly hit buttons and then, Scribble like the the way that scribble knots works is that like it'll kind of give you like oh did you mean this yeah and my brother told me a story about how one time like they they gave her the gamepad and because she's good with tablets because she's from the generation that grew up with tablets as like these are things that are constantly in our lives um she wound up just giving everyone wings <laughs> who knows how that happened awesome. but it worked yeah, I want to talk about that for a second, about growing up on, like, tablets and touchscreens, because it's something amazing I've noticed, and Andy, I don't know about you, maybe you're not, like, as crazy as me, and don't let your, your daughter touch as much of, like, your expensive high-tech stuff. You would but, be wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought so, because, I mean, I know with, with Tegan, like, she sees the bright lights, and, like, she just has to have yeah. it, but, like, the, the 3DS and the, the Wii U gamepad, and even our iPhones, like, my, my iPhone is amazing. I can give her my iPhone locked completely. She presses, you know, the, the only button on the front of it to, to open the, you know, bring up the screen. She unlocks the phone, and then she swipes <laughs> to go to the second page of programs, and she opens this Cookie Monster app where the Cookie, like, yep. cookie Monster, like, calls you. And then she presses a button to have Cookie Monster call, and then she presses a little green button at the bottom to answer the call. And, I mean, she's she just turned one in March. Yeah, so I mean, that's, she's like that's 15 months of, old. That's a lot of what Haley did, uh, my, my, my brother's kid, uh, when she was younger. And, she, I mean, she it's the kind of thing where my brother will get frustrated because he'll want to do something on his tablet. And then he'll <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, crap, she's playing Angry Birds again. Um, yeah. My, uh, it, my, my daughter has certainly gotten the love of the gadgets from me, um, mm-hmm. but she does not have any idea what to do with them yet. So I'll, I will also just give her my iPhone or my iPad completely locked down, and she will just literally just tap the screen on the lock screen and hit the button and try to make Siri do something. Like, yeah. she doesn't have any idea how to unlock the phone, and when I give her an app, the first thing she does is close it because she wants to hit the one button <laughs> yeah. on the device. And that happens a lot, too, like, with Tegan. Like, once she calls Cookie Monster, after talking, like, he talks for a split second, her next reaction is, like, okay, press the one button, and then it, right. it closes, of course. <laughs> that's why, I, th- I think, actually, that's why she prefers the 3DS and the Wii U gamepad to the iPad or the iPhone, because it's got more buttons on it. There are more things she can physically <laughs> interact with, yeah. and it, it she doesn't... She, I actually I have a I have a broken DS light that the top screen is out on and I just give that to her and she'll just play with that for hours. She'll open it yeah. and she'll close it and she'll pull the Game Boy Advance cartridge out and she'll put it back in and she'll turn it off <laughs> and she'll turn it back on. She doesn't want to play a video game. She just wants to touch a button and make a light happen. Right. Uh, and it's she's a, not it's... any anywhere past that yet. But, yeah. you, but if I you had, take that uh... away from her, she'll scream yeah. bloody <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I had my, uh, my, um, my, well, uh, Lauren's, uh, my, I guess my, my brother-in-law's daughter, who's the, the seven-year-old niece, Lena, um, she used to take my DSi when I had that, and she would use the camera app on it, and it was really funny, because I'd look at the pictures later, and there would be, like, 80 pictures that she took, yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of them would be, like, wow, I didn't realize that this five-year-old girl was trying to take selfies like a 20-year-old. <laughs> um, but that's what a lot of them looked like. It was kind of funny. And, like, she'd, like, do the stuff where she could, like, draw over it. And she really, really dug that. 
I think my daughter's favorite game is open up the. Is what, what I will do is I'll open the iPhone up and I'll turn on the camera app and then I'll turn the camera so it's facing her and then I'll just lock the entire thing down. So I'm basically <laughs> handing her a mirror. Yeah. And she she loves that because she can just <laughs> she looks at herself and it's 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 an interesting thing and the more interested and excited she gets, the more interested and exciting the device is because it's a picture of an excited baby on it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really like. It, this whole touchscreen thing, like, I feel like it's so natural. I mean, Andy, you're saying like uh, your daughter likes to like press the buttons because there, there are more buttons to press, and I think there's something to that too. But I think just being able to touch a screen and it immediately do something, being able to point at something and have it, you know, respond to you, just it seems so much more natural than pressing buttons or moving cursors. And I, I think it's going to have a big impact on what like our kids are going to want to play or what they're going to expect out of their games, which is great because we have game platforms that support that, you know, yeah. the 3DS and now the Wii U to some extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter doesn't seem to understand that touchscreens do anything. I don't think not yet. Like <laughs> See, my daughter, like she, the Wii U gamepad, she swipes and she, she just like keeps moving the, at the war, war plaza will swipe pages. And she, for some reason she has an affinity for F zero, the <laughs> SNES game. Like she always goes to that and starts it. I don't know why, but yeah, she loves she swiping it. Race. Yeah, she's well, your your race. daughter's farther ahead than mine is, even at a younger age, because mine doesn't seem to have any doesn't seem to have any correlation of what she's doing to what's happening on the screen. Oh, okay, yeah, it's really it's really bizarre. I don't know why like that clicked with her. It, it's really odd. I'll have to take like a vine or something of her opening my phone and going to the Cookie Monster. <laughs> uh, just just let her, just let her do it. Yeah, she yeah, probably she, could. She, she, <laughs> she might be able to. You just need to show her once, and then she'll get it down pat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But um, yeah. Well, let's move on to the yes. uh, to the next question. <laughs> All right. The next question is: Are uh, are you or will you be as frustrated with games marketed to kids that don't have voice acting but require copious, copious amounts of reading instead? Uh, apparently, everything by Ubisoft has this problem. <laughs> so says uh, yeah. So says him I've here. never really noticed this before, but just recently I was when I got that broken DS Lite um, with a Game Boy Advance slot, I thought, well, okay, well, what I have essentially is a working Game Boy Advance, which I actually yeah. haven't had in, in a few years because I, I never kept my, my GBA once I upgraded to a DS, and yeah. then I sold my DS for a 3DS. So I, I went shopping for, for Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games, and the only place that was open was Half Price Books, which is a sort of a little bit of everything used store. And they had like 10 GBA games on, on hand, and they were like either two or five dollars. And I was trying to decide if any of the two dollar ones would be even worth buying. And I decided to get Ratatouille for uh, for GBA, which had not abysmal reviews. Although finding <laughs> any reviews of the GBA version was kind of tricky. Um, and it's yeah, it's, there's there's not that much reading involved, but there is a fair amount of it right in the beginning. There's a there's a like a two or three minute long cutscene, and there's text instructions on the front and it's a gba game so you can't expect much more than that but i have to believe this is going to be a real problem once you start playing like console games and whatnot i would imagine it's a real barrier to zelda honestly yeah. well that's what i wanted to talk about like neil i know on a, a previous segment way back when we were talking about like comfort games um i talked about playing skyward sword like through most of um my wife's pregnancy and how like I just had this idea in my head. It was really comforting and I got really excited about the idea of eventually playing it with Tegan just because I, it feels like kind of like a Disney movie to me. Um, but that means I'm going to have to read everything. <laughs> yeah. yep. Wait, you know, which isn't the end of the world, but yeah, I mean like Zelda games are a prime example of, of 
uh, games with a lot of dialogue that have no voice over whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and I, that's a lot of Nintendo first party games for some reason. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Animal Crossing, everything they have that they they don't really have voice acting. Yeah, it's just gibberish. Yeah. Yep. But it's maybe that weird. also worked. I mean, because I I there was a lot of stuff that I played as a kid that I mean, you just kind of get it. And I feel like Nintendo's one of the companies that's better at telling you what you need to do visually as opposed to making it all dependent on like this is how you jump. They just show right. you how to jump. Right, absolutely, yeah. Not they all other games are like that, but it might be giving them a little too much credit. But I feel like most of them do a good job of teaching you without, you know, having to read a book. Right, and aren't aren't text heavy. I guess the the real problem would be like if I'm ever trying to get her into Chrono Trigger or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's when they'd be doing a lot you need of to wait uh, for a certain age for that one. Yeah, that's going to be uh, sitting the the cooker a little while longer, I guess. But um, yeah, it has it is definitely something I've become more conscious of. Um, cause in a few years I, I will be reading these games to her. It's not the kind of thing where I can just yeah. hand her the 3DS and let her play. It's going to be, what are they saying? What, what is this? Yeah. Uh, none of that's bad. I think it'll help, you know, with, with learning language and being able to, to read better. I, I think that helps me read better as a kid. Um, was just playing old, like, I don't know, playing old RPGs, like on my yeah. Sega Genesis and stuff. So. All right. So the next question is. Will you be frustrated with the lack of good peer reviews as opposed to company-sponsored fluff on children's games? And uh, we were looking over this right before we started the segment, and we were, uh, I think I mentioned uh, John Davison of 1UP Yours and is that GameSpot, GamePro. He's been all over the place over the past like, 15, 20 years. Um, he used to run that site, whattheyplay.com, that he then sold to IGN, and then IGN shut it down back in 2011, and that was a great place for reviews about kids' games, and it's no longer up, which sucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a huge problem, I feel, with good peer reviews on children's games of, like, parents who had their kids play these games and then them reviewing it. Yeah. I mean, what we should do is just make a spinoff for a spinoff of NWR when you guys have your kids come of age, and we'll just do reviews that way. <laughs> right. I don't know. Would this constitute yeah. child labor? We might be in trouble. <laughs> I reviewed one kids game, one like very definitely a kids game early on in my NWR career. It was like junior classic games for the DS, and it was just like a, a collection of really really simple matching puzzles and stuff. And I remember just thinking this would be so frustrating for a kid who has no patience because it was really laggy and the games didn't really function properly. And I try my best to just sort of put myself in the position of a parent who had to explain to their kid why the game didn't really work. (laughs) But it's difficult to put yourself into that position and and try to review a game based not on its merits when it's being played by, you know, a college kid, but being, you know, played by by, by a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. I think you can look at a review that I did. uh, Jake something fireman i don't remember um but it was a ds game that i played years ago it was i I think it was 2008 or 2009 um and it was a kid's game and it wasn't terrible it it was just a really hard review to write because like it was a easy game that i beat in an hour and a half but it was wasn't meant for me so how do i review that it's it's a really kind of tough thing to do yeah well, I, all of us have done reviews like this, I guess. Uh, I reviewed a Phineas and Ferb game yeah. last year. 
And I think that it was a really good kids game, actually. And when I was reviewing it, I tried to think of it that way. Because, I mean, obviously it was easy. It wasn't very challenging. But what I thought was cool is that it, it's this franchise that a lot of kids are into. And the game sort of was like this introduction to these sort of concepts in games that kids will be seeing, you know, for years to come. Yep. So, like, you at some point learn how to, like, wall jump. And you're learning, I don't know, like, how to, like, do charge shots with your gun and stuff like that. And it was these mechanics that had been done a million times before. But I kind of framed my review as, like, well, this is great for kids who are just starting to play games on yeah. their own because it's an introduction to all these these tropes from other, like, game That's series. What I remember playing... Uh it's some preview thing, maybe in A3, uh, Hotel Transylvania, which was based off mm. a movie that came out last year, and it was a way forward game that, I mean, you would think if you're making a DS game based on that, it'll probably be a Metroidvania, and it was. But it was like <laughs> a kid's Metroidvania, and I thought that, like, at least what I played of it, it was like it did, did a very good job of kind of being like, you know, like, you know, my first Castlevania game. And, it, like, it, I don't have any... I haven't played it with a kid and seen how they reacted, but I think it probably would be effective in, you know, teaching a kid game mechanics and still being entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's great. But yeah, as far as getting reviews for that stuff, it is kind of difficult. Like, I don't doubt that if you do some good searching, like there's probably a YouTube channel that someone runs where he reviews games with his kids or something, you know, or there's probably stuff out there. But as far as like your major outlets, yeah, I just feel like there isn't good coverage and when kids games are reviewed they aren't reviewed from that that viewpoint of like yeah. actually playing it as a kid um, i mean i'm usually like when i whenever i do play kind of a younger skewing game now like i'll usually try to hang out with a niece one day and be like what do you think kid um but i haven't really reviewed too many games like that recently although i have had experiences with like uh i kind of understood some of the brilliance of nintendo land by playing it with my niece just because I get why they have the uh, like the, the the plaza in that game, because I have witnessed my niece walk around in a circle and explore around all the different items for like an hour. Yeah, and like have genuine fun doing it. Yeah. yeah, and like she would be like, "What's this?" And I'd be like, "Well, that's from Zelda." And she's like, "What's Zelda?" I'm like, "Well, let's go play this Zelda Battle Quest game, and I can show you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I played an I played that game with um, my two cousins. They were probably, oh, maybe like seven and nine, um, yeah. and they actually had a lot of trouble with some of the some of the games in, in Nintendo Land. Like, I think they don't play a, a ton of video games, but they loved Zelda Battle Quest. And I don't think yeah. they actually had any idea what they were doing, but they were swinging <laughs> they were swinging their sword, and I was kind of bailing them out with with the bow and arrow on the gamepad. They actually didn't have want to have anything to do with the gamepad. They uh they just wanted to swing their sword and and take down bad guys and. See, we played that. We, we must have that... played that for like four hours straight. They loved it. <laughs> that's the, that's the funny thing is that uh, Haley, my my brother's five year old kid, um, she loves using the gamepad. Like um, I've actually I've I've gotten into the the wonderful wonderful uh, the wonderful concept of having my my parents Haley's Haley's grandparents play her in Mario Chase, and it <laughs> always ends with Haley catching them. Or, or, I mean, with Haley av- avoiding them. And then, like, uh, you know, the Animal Crossing game, it's the same thing. Um, and with the Animal Crossing one, actually, uh, I helped her out, and I controlled one control stick, and she controlled the other one. But she ended up catching my dad twice, which was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I, I I have had a lot of moments when uh, mo- the most recent time that I've played Nintendo Land and, and Wii U in general with Haley was 
a lot of like she wanted to do the attraction train and I was like it's gonna be a pain but what it wound up being is that I would play on my own showing her and then she would start to play it on her own and just be like Uncle Neil can you help me mm-hmm. so it would involve a lot of like us both holding the gamepad and I'm helping her steer in F-Zero and like I mean like I know the the Zelda Battle Quest one it was the same thing where like she did she tried it a little bit and got frustrated and then just handed the gamepad to me and walked away yeah which I guess goes well. I guess that kind of goes into the last question a little bit. Um, which let's maybe do them out of order. Let's talk about that one a little bit yeah. while we're on this All this right. topic of so playing here, games. Uh, the, the devil question, because apparently a six in parentheses on Skype is the devil, um, which makes sense. <laughs> Lastly, how do you play co-op with your children and not lose your cool when they go this way instead of that way? Pikmin three may very well be the end of my relationship with my daughter as I know it because she loved the Nintendo Land Pikmin game so much. But I don't see her being much help in the farming fighting dynamic of Pikmin. I quite frankly don't really expect to be enjoying playing video games with my child <laughs> for quite some time. Like yeah, I, I will enjoy watching decade. Like I will enjoy watching her experience it and I will enjoy sort of exposing her to something that I really care about. But no, playing playing with her is not gonna be a fun experience anytime soon. And I I know that going in, which sort of yeah. tempers the the inevitable disappointment. I mean, that's why, I mean, it's a lot of like, kind of, I like showing her something and then letting, letting Haley just kind of go at it. Like, uh, with, yeah. with, uh, with some of the Nintendo land games, like she, she kind of picked favorites. Um, like I think she was really into the Mario one and didn't want to play any of the other ones. Um, and then I was like, all right, all right, let's try this one. And like, it was the Luigi's mansion one. And, like she at first was like, oh, I don't want to play this. I'm like, just just trust me on this one. And then I showed her a little bit, and she loved it. And then she, you know, kind of just give it to her and see her mess with it because if it is the kind of thing where if I want to play the game, if I want to play the game the way I want to play it, it's not going down that way because I'm playing it with a five year old kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And it reminds me. I was older, but I, I told the story before. But it reminds me of when I was a, a kid and I was I had Sonic Two, and I would try to get my mom to play with me and play his Tales. <laughs> and she didn't play video games, so I guess it was sort of like the opposite. But I she only did it with like once or twice, probably because obviously she had no idea what was going on, and she was just immediately left off the screen, um, and, and did not very much <laughs> enjoy that. And I guess it's kind of the inverse because I feel like that's what it'll be like playing with yeah, with like with my daughter for a little bit um, until she's like really able to play. But that's why I appreciate some things. Like, I, I love, and I've mentioned this before, that Navit in New Super Luigi U is invincible. Um, even though there's a lot of still, like, tricky platforming. But just in the, the, like, straightaway segments where it's just enemies, I think that's really great. Like, that's the perfect little kid mode um, where, like, she's playing, she's interacting. It's a step above handing her a controller that's, like, not, doesn't have batteries in it or something. I do that. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, still, it, it's still... Um, challenging but but fair and, and forgiving so i like i like that aspect and i know there's not a lot of games that do that but um i thought that was a really really cool idea yeah my daughter hasn't even quite figured out like that pushing buttons on a controller affects something that's on the television really even like yeah. there's no correlation there even though there's a sound effect coming from the tv there's no there's no connection there that when i hand yeah. her a we were a Wii remote that she needs to pay attention to what's on the television, not on the Wii Remote. And I I think, judging on her progress there, I think I'm still probably a good four to six months off from her really understanding what a video game even does. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think she even will have any concept that 
hey, if I push left, they go left. And if I push right, right they go right. Like, I don't even think there will be that level of understanding for another six months based on what I've seen so far. But, I mean, she's surprising me every step of the way, so who knows? Like, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. See what see what happens there, but I, I'm excited. I'm it, it'll be yeah. challenging. It'll be frustrating sometimes, but I, I'm really looking forward. I'm definitely. To it. I mean, I'm pretty excited to the future in which you know my niece is of the age where she can ex- she can understand Animal Crossing, and then we can go to each other's towns. <laughs> great, we'll share fruit. Awesome. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the cool thing. I mean, it's just as far as uh, well, I guess. Going to the next question, uh, um, do you notice that your your kids or, I guess, your nieces, in my case, like the same kind of things that you do or did? Have their likes or dislikes been colored by touch tablets and iPhone games? Um, I've noticed with, with all of my nieces, yes. Yes, they have a whole lot. Um, I've even got uh, nieces that dig the connect because um, one time they came over and got really into Fruit Ninja. Um, Yay, Fruit Ninja. I mean, it's fun, I guess. It's a pretty fun game, I don't know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's stupid fun, but it's fun. And I can, I've never I mean, played the Kinect version, but I can imagine that it basically involves dancing around like an idiot and watching fruit fly everywhere, which doesn't sound half bad to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you're just using your hands to cut shit up. It's pretty cool. Um, but one of, one of the really nice points that I've had, and I, I probably mentioned this on the podcast before, definitely mentioned it to a lot of people, but... For some reason, um, my my brother's kid Haley has gotten super into Luigi's Mansion. Like, oh yeah! I don't really know how this happened. I talked to my brother about it. I'm like, did like how how did this happen? But now the the 3ds one or like the GameCube one? I think it was a commercial. I think she probably saw what I'm theorizing, and like I legitimately discussed this with my brother for like five to ten minutes, trying to figure out how this happened. Is that she did play the Nintendo Land game, but what she started doing is she would take a flashlight and go snooping around the house being like, I'm Luigi. I, I have to suck up ghosts and like go around <laughs> and kind of like mime doing like, you know, sucking up stuff for the poltergeist in the uh-huh. mansion. And I, 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 my brother told me about this. I'm like, no, you, you're fucking with me. That, that didn't happen. And then I was over there and then she did it. And I was just like flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, and, and that's all I could really deduce. And I was even talking to my brother about like, well, I mean, you have the Wii. I could give you the GameCube game, but she's not going to be able to play that. Um, but I mean, it's just such a cool thing to see, you know, even even though it's not my own child, it's my niece. But to see her kind of like get really into something that I really dig as well. Um, and it is the kind of thing like I'm pretty excited when she, you know, is more competent at games. That, like I could show her Luigi's Mansion on 3DS. Um, and that would be a lot of fun. And when she's at a point where maybe she has her own 3DS, like we could play it online. Like that would be awesome. Yeah. And, and also, uh, I did get one of the Luigi hats, uh, which according to NWR swag expert, Justin Baruby are like really cheap pieces of shit, (laughs) but I got one of those at E3 and then I gave it to her promptly afterwards. So I hope that she's annoying my uh, my brother and my sister-in-law by wearing the luigi hat and going around with the flash while she's hunting for ghosts yeah yeah that would be awesome but and other than that like i mean she's just really into the mario universe stuff as well um she's a yoshi stuffed animal uh i have that that plastic thing from uh like the the statuette from club nintendo 
with all the different characters on it. And, like, she, like, saw that when she was over recently and was, like, like thought it was the coolest thing. So, my brother done good. He raised <laughs> yeah. an independent man. I, have I, mean, a, I, I have a stuffed Yoshi as well, but she, like most of the animals, she doesn't really care about it. She might, like, <laughs> hug it for a second, but then she'll throw it in the ground and walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, I imagine this is just like sort of just growing up in, in general with kids where at first they kind of mimic what you do and what you like. Yeah. And then they hit that point where they kind of branch off on their own and want to do, you know, kind of find their own way, um, regardless of, of kind of what we're talking about. And I think it'll be the same for games, right? I mean, yeah. naturally, they see you playing what you're playing. They're going to be drawn to that. And then once they have their own consoles or iPads or computers or whatever, you know, that's when they're going to, to find their own stuff. And that's when you'll see deviation and, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, it, I guess we'll see where, where I'm at in, you know, four years when my daughter's playing games, yep. but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll yeah. be fun regardless. Yeah. And I guess, um, I'll, I'll kind of, this, this will be the last, the last anecdote that I'll share, but I mean, my brother, my brother's tastes definitely lie more in like sports games and all that jazz, which is a pity that I convinced him to get a Wii U because of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when man. he found out that FIFA wasn't coming out on, he's like, "Fuck you! Why'd you do this?" That's so good. <laughs> now um, it, you're probably it, gonna be caught up with all the will play Mario others. Sports Mix if you want it to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but uh, like, uh, my brother's been playing the hell out of the FIFA on Wii U, and he had a couple moments where he was playing it, and then you know his daughter would come up right next to him. And start watching him play on the gamepad, and like start like being like, like you know, Daddy, you should go over here, pass it to that guy. And I mean, it is the kind of thing where a lot of that comes from her being familiar with the gamepad and like kind of knowing how it works. Yeah. Um, and then also her, you know, seeing seeing my brother play a lot of different sports games like that and uh, MLB The Show on PS3. But she's she was never interested in that. It was only when it was on the gamepad that she started to kind of take an interest in it. And um. I mean, it's just really cool whenever I talk to him about, like, how she plays games and how how she gets really into it. Because it is something where it's like, you know, it's a little bit of influence from her uncle that I'm, I'm proud to say seems to shine through a little bit. Well and done. I will continue giving her probably my entire Wii U game collection. Because I probably have, like, eight games on the Wii U and probably five of them are over at my brother's. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not going to play it. I'll just give it to the kid. <laughs> but yeah do you guys have any final shots th- th- any final shots final thoughts to share not really i am looking forward to when maddie can actually do anything besides just tap on the screen and hit buttons and get <laughs> ma- get mad when you take it away that's all she yeah. can really do so far I, I, uh, <laughs> until then i'm i'm my, i guess the only other thing i i suppose it's worth discussion is at, at some point I'm going to have to be a lot more careful about what kind of games I play in front of her. Mm, that's um, true. Yeah. I don't play a lot of games that I'm that concerned about, but things like zombie U or the last of us, like for the most, like most of the time you're playing that game, you don't really see a lot of like any disturbing imagery, but then every once in a while or in zombie U probably a little more often, but like in the last of us, the vast majority of it is just, running around, like, uh, abandoned cities, but then, you know, there's there's definitely some violence, and, like, I was playing Assassin's Creed quite a bit when Maddie was younger, and it's it's easy to get away with that when they're, you know, six months, eight months, yeah. 12 months, but at a certain point, you you got to be a lot more careful, and I'm starting to be a lot more cognizant of, of that. There yeah. Was, there was one time, and I know I said only one more anecdote, <laughs> but now I have another one, because it's, it's pertinent. Um, there was one time where, uh, Lauren and I were babysitting her brother's, uh, daughter 
and I brought up the Wii because she was really like she liked playing New Super Mario Brothers Wii with me one time, so I figured I'd bring up some other games. And uh, she, you know, I I told her I was like, you know, Punch Out's like my favorite game on Wii. Um, I gave it a ten out of ten. Read it on NintendoWorldReport.com in the review. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, while we were like eating lunch, I made something and like tried to explain to her what a pun was and. I asked her what her favorite pun was, and then she went in my backpack and pulled out a copy of Punch Out, which made me die. Um, and then I got better. Um, you know, I tried showing her Punch Out, and then she just got really like, she's like, "Why are you punching him?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't play this game." <laughs> because she, she was just kind of bothered by the fact that it was just this game where you're fighting other people. You just beat people up the whole yeah. time. Yeah, she was yeah. like, "Why, why, why, is she, why are you punching him?" I'm like, "Because he's bad." And then, like after I beat Glass Show, I turned it off because I was like, "Maybe we'll just <laughs> jump on turtles instead." Yeah, that's a little better. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I haven't really like even when Tegan was younger, I didn't really play games a lot with her I, I don't know why like in the room and stuff and now i definitely don't because if she sees me with a controller or anything like she has to come up and grab it yeah but um i know like when she was about probably six months old and i was kind of just like rocking her um at, at some point just holding her and I, I threw on aliens just for the fun of it to watch something while we were just like <laughs> hanging out and it, you know it was a point where it's like really quiet like no music and stuff like you probably just hear the beep of like the motion tracker and then you know like an alien falls down from the, the ceiling or something and like the music you know all of a sudden there's just like jump of music and everything and and she jumped and and it was that point where she was like just old enough to kind of start like looking at the tv and noticing it and so she was kind of watching it with me and that was at that point where i was kind of like all right like i shouldn't watch stuff like this <laughs> with the baby not that like what was on screen scared her but just like even just the sudden like jump in music was enough to like startle her i was like okay yeah, yeah i gotta yeah. be careful with this kind of stuff so yeah it's it's gonna be weird i mean i always remember my friend's dad when we were growing up playing like resident evil on his and his playstation it was the dad's playstation um like when when we'd be asleep because it was the kind of thing we shouldn't be seeing i remember we'd always just kind of like peek out from his bedroom and like try to look in the living room to see it because we thought it was so cool um, and it, it's gonna be weird to like think about having games you can only play like at night or when the kid's not home. <laughs> but that's a, that'll be what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> if you have any more questions or or if you or if you think we should make a uh, what they play Nintendo World Report style site, um, let us know. Uh, send emails to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. We could uh, maybe even try to wrestle in some other esteemed nwr fathers like tyler olu or maybe even get some of the japanese love from people like james charlton um, yeah yeah i mean because because we do have a growing amount of fathers that, that's uh, right right for the site so they should just take over the world and then i'll join <laughs> you guys in like five years yeah whenever that happens <laughs> now you know like you like famous last words kind of thing like now lauren's gonna be pregnant like yeah. next month um uh, but... i hope not <laughs> there would be a lot of things that would have had to have uh kind of gone awry for that a lot, a lot of a lot of fail safes that didn't fire right yes <laughs> yeah well it happens yeah it could you know who knows <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, uh, if you have anything, write us in, connectivity at com, and I hope uh, you guys found this conversation interesting a little bit. And until next time, I'm Neil Ronahan, and I've got two dads, not my two dads, Andy Gergen <laughs> and Scott Thompson. All right, see you later. Later on, y'all. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
don't forget to send your listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com, and if you've got a moment, please rate and review the show on iTunes.